Welcome back to this week's episode of the Wellhouse Exorcism. This is your ghost of host of most, Shanna. It's Tripod PJ. I was going to say it's Broke Wa PJ. Broke Wa PJ. Yeah. I was going to say Broken PJ. No, Broke Wa PJ. Broke Wa PJ. Yeah. Oh, I broke my PJ. (laughs) Pretty much, you did. (laughs) Well, PJ, do you want to tell your story as to why we didn't get this out on a Sunday? Well, in typical PJ fashion, it was the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) I was walking down a sidewalk in Ollie's parking lot. I was around the side of the building where there are no lights. So I stepped. So it's Ollie's fault. Yes. We're coming after you, Ollie's. (laughs) I blame Ollie's. Uh, But it was a dark, rainy... It was Sunday night. And for those who are in Pennsylvania, you'll know it rained all day Sunday. Uh, It's raining. It's pouring. And it was super dark. And I did not see that the sidewalk was ending. And I stepped... the sidewalk ends. I stepped onto... (laughs) Wet grass and mud, and my foot twisted under me, and then I landed on top of said foot. It just hurtches a, a lot. A little bit. So you uh, cracked it. Your foot went the opposite way it's supposed to go. Yeah, a little basically. bit. And now it's broken. Yeah. So with that being said, thank you to our listeners for understanding as to why our episode is posting late. Mm-hmm. It's been a week already. And a special thanks to Nurse Jackie for taking <laughs> our Sunday night call about PJ it rang only one time and she answered. I'm sure she's probably like, why? Why are these cool kids, you know, calling me on a Sunday night? But anyway. She didn't know it was a pop quiz. <laughs> <laughs> but she was right. Nurse Jackie was right. PJ mm-hmm. did indeed break his tootsie. It's like to say, but no, it's his foot. <laughs> his footsie tootsie. Pretty badly, too. So hooray, yeah. PJ. Yeah. The doctor looked me straight in the eye and was just like, don't put weight on it. I'm like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> Got it. Right. Wasn't going to. It hurts too much anyway. Um, also, a shout out to Full Send Rejects because we're going to be Zooming with them tomorrow to hear that real life scary story. And that'll be next week's episode. Yes. Which brings me to my last bullet here before we go into mm-hmm. our show. Yeah. Uh, the Full Send Rejects episode will be the last episode that we air for the 2023 year. So I could put a pause and be like, that we ever, <laughs> ever put it out. <laughs> um, it'll air on the 17th, and then that is going to be it for this year. So, because um, we're not going to be in Pennsylvania for the 24th anyway, and it's Christmas. Eve, but Christmas. We'll be in Disney. And then after that, we're taking off the 31st with family, because I got to cook. <laughs> it's New Year's <laughs> Day dinner, so I got to cook. Um, so we will see you guys, I always say bright and early, but dark and moody. On yeah. January 7th mm-hmm. uh, for a whole new world. No, no. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Alex was going to say here, we're putting out with the old because Fulson Rejects is going to be on here. And then we'll be in with the new. So uh. Anthony, if you're listening, <laughs> I just made fun of you. Anyway. So look forward to our last episode of this year. And again, thank you so much for being here with us and growing our podcast. Really appreciate it. And only good things to come for 2024. Yeah, Knocked 23 on was something. <laughs> we can be done with that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to cry. All right. Well, hey, the next episode we'll post after the 17th will be close to my birthday. Yeah. So we'll be broke and we won't have anything for me for my birthday. Like, like every year <laughs> since I was born. Oh, sad. Yeah, if you have an early January birthday. I, I get you nice things for your birthday. I feel for you. Okay. I understand because... 
Everyone's don't, ex- don't listen to her. She everyone gets nice things every year. Everyone has extended your budget and you're out of money. It's fine. I, I save some every year specifically <laughs> for her birthday. When I was a kid, that didn't happen, which is why he does that. <laughs> anyway, so tonight we are going to be talking about a couple of things. Yes. A I'm I'm surprised by some of your choices. Well, I felt inspired uh, for one. But uh, the Penn's Cave story is good, but it wouldn't be a whole episode. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I, even know there was a story there to begin with, so I'm interested in this. Even one. better, I decided to choose some other epi- some other like small stories that I have that I have found really interesting, and I marked, but they're short stories. So they're real. Sorry, not short stories. They're real stories, but they're short. Okay, um, that are Native American based or like you know cryptid ish e based, but are she based- said the word. Uh, but based in Native American <laughs> culture. One of them is not. But I'm only doing it because Penny Becker gave you that really nice... Uh, <clears throat> shouldn't use her last name. I'm only doing the Mothman because Penny, one of our listeners, <laughs> gave you a really nice uh, squish stress ball. What do you want to call it? Yeah, it's kind of like a stress... A big stress ball. <laughs> yeah. And if you follow us on Facebook... Um, what's his name? Indrid? Indrid. Indrid Cold. Indrid has um, posted some wacky doodly stuff. Yeah, I haven't done any. I've done a couple TikTok videos with Indrid. Um, Well, maybe Indrid needs to be like the showcase for this week's episode. Yeah. He could be sitting on your cast. (laughs) Yeah. He'll He'll be your buddy. And also a special thanks to Penny, who gave PJ a Tyrannosaurus Rex stuffed animal to make him feel better and brought us lots of food. Thank you. From a mom who is now teacher, mom, and nursemaid. I appreciate not making dinner. Oh, boy. Anyway, so let's get into this week's episode. My references for this evening are Clio.com, Mount Nittany. Go Clio today. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Mount for Nittany... your free psychic reading. <laughs> Mount Nittany Conservancy, Pennsylvania Center for the Book. Philly Ghosts, and CLPS, which stands for City Lights Paranormal Society, mm. because they have their own, like, side venture into some pretty cool stuff, mm. which includes Penn's Cave. Cool. So shall we get started then? Yeah. Let have me... any of our listeners actually called Miss Cleo? I would like to know what your experiences were. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway. Email us at gamesoboard at gmail.com. Miss <laughs> Cleo, if you're listening, please Miss Cleo, <laughs> if you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> don't want a psychic reading of how bad 2024 we is We have a dream be. of her astral projection. <laughs> oh, you summoned me. <laughs> oh, honey, it's going to be another bad year. No, no, I don't want to hear another bad year. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So anyway, if you are not from Pennsylvania, you have no idea possibly what Penn's Cave is. But it's pretty neat. Just want to say. It is the only cavern found in America that is solely accessible by water. If you didn't know that, PJ. There you go. And it is the only cavern in Pennsylvania on the National Register of Historic Places. Hmm. It's neat. It's awesome down there. It is beautiful. It's really cool. Another fun fact about that is distant relatives of Edgar Allan Poe took possession of the cavern. He just pops huh. up in everything. <laughs> yeah, right? We can't get away from that, from that guy, which but I'm I'll, sure you're not complaining about. Yeah, but. I want to say um, Clio.com spelled Alan wrong. That's why she's a phone psychic and not a real psychic. <laughs> Different Cleo. <laughs> anyway, so they took possession of the cavern, um, the, all the land, actually, through warrants granted through the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in 1773. So years wow. before he was ever born. Yeah. 
The Campbell family has operated and owned the cave since 1908. So they're the people that we have bought from. And it has continued to be passed down in the family uh, since that time. It's known not only for its water cavern, but also its wildlife park, miner's maze, and a mountain tour. We have never been on the mountain tour. Didn't know that was a thing. I know the miners is fun. I like they have a little sloosh there. I say sloosh, but sloosh, I know. Yeah. Uh, The kids love that. And the wildlife park is fun. The chubby black bear. (laughs) (laughs) That black bear is awesome. He's living his best life. I love it. But anyway, but the cave itself, uh, to go back to like the coolness. Oh, wait, real quick. There's the other bit of trivia that they are, the whole property is 100% self-sufficient. You remember that? Yes. I forgot about that. Because they have a big sunflower field that feeds like the animals Mm -hmm. and it also composts really well so they can reuse it again and like... They have other things on the property, too, I guess. Yeah. But they are 100% self-sufficient, which is really cool. When you had over 100 years to think about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but we like caves. So if you're not a, if you're a spelunker, this will make you excited. If you're not a spelunker, get ready for some words. The cave itself is nestled under about 1,500 acres of rolling fields, yeah. which we already know. The sunflower field is actually gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It boasts over 600,000 square feet. And its limestone rock is estimated to be millions of years old. It remains a scientific mystery how waters from the streams around Nittany Mountain, nearly five miles away, pass through the valleys into the cavern. We've hmm. never learned that before. But yeah. isn't that cool? So five miles away, somehow the water is getting into this cavern. And it really is only accessible with water. You can't. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have There's to no way ride. to just, like, walk through the cave. Yeah, no. You can walk down to the cave. Hop on a boat and then... But yeah, you have to get into a boat. (laughs) Yeah. What's also interesting, too, is we know that it was Native American and it was used as part of their lore because pottery and artifacts recovered in Penn's cave clearly show that the original inhabitants of this natural wonder were Native Americans. According to Penn's cave official teacher's guidebook, when it came to the land, Edgar Allan Poe's relatives got it in battles won against Native Americans, including Penn's Caves Farms. So they had to take care of them engines to get this land. Of course they did. So I'm glad that it's Poe's family. Such a terrible reoccurring theme in in this show. (laughs) No, Poe, no. All right, anyway. As land encompassing Penn's Cave was passed down, the dry entrance to the cave was frequented more and more. It wasn't until 1860 that two men, Isaac Paxson and Albert Woods, decided to explore further into the cave. They built a raft and successfully traversed the cavern for the first time in documented history. Because if you go on the ride now, you hop on the boat, you go all the way through the caverns, and you end up at... Uh, a lake. A lake. Yeah, it's beautiful. So they did. The oh, I thought you were asking for like the specific name of the lake. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Penn's Cave Lake. Penn's Lake. Something, something. But anyway, Murky uh, Water Lake. <laughs> so uh, it's theorized though that the limestone may be formed from ocean bottom mud and compressed into rock over millions of years. Because they're not really sure. Yeah, I the, remember reading that on one of the plaques or something. Yeah, the rock there. is estimated to be between 400 and 500 million years old. It does follow a linear cave pattern, which in geological terms means its tunnel forms a rather straight passage along the strike of yeah. limestone formations, which is true. That is the coolest part. Like, the opening is all natural. But it looks like someone cut it. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, like you're walking down these really steep steps. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, like... It's just this, like, triangular hole that you're walking into. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Yeah. I just want to say again, it's beautiful. I'll put some pictures up. Um, Penn's cave is about 30 million years old, though, mm. which um, is much older than the average cave of about a million years, or 10 million years. 
It's a fun fact. Huh. It's older than most, but it's not as old as the limestone itself. You know, I watched The Descent a couple weeks ago. You remember that one? <sighs> yeah, this is not The Descent. <laughs> anyway, now the 75-foot deep, several hundred feet in diameter sinkhole entrance that you remember talking about welcomes visitors willing to descend into the cavern. Now, the really cool thing about it is, but you have to bring a sweatshirt with you because it can be like, as we found out, 90 degrees on ground. You walk down those steps and it's immediately like 50, 60 degrees. Yeah. Same Freezing. with um, anyone who's ever been to a coal mine tour. Mm-hmm. You want to bring a sweater whenever, whenever you go underground, you want to bring yeah. a sweater. It's going to be cold. Uh-huh. <laughs> Until you get too deep and then it gets hot again. <laughs> <laughs> now, the cool thing is, again, they didn't change anything about the entrance. It's just big enough that they can have a dock down there and, of course, electric boats to take visitors on a half mile mm-hmm. tour through the various rooms in the caverns. So they didn't cut or anything they left it everything the normal like all natural yeah. so that's why they'll they only have like two or three boats down there it's pretty tight i'm trying to remember in my head how many there were yeah. like i think two active at a time and then there might have been two or three off to the side yeah and at one point like it's really tight like you gotta like keep your fingers inside as you coast along because you'll bump up against the other boat yeah. going the opposite direction yeah, yeah. as you're like leap going through the tunnel one way they're going back the other direction yeah the cave is ornamented of course with lots of things like stalactites and stalagmites it says a mere one cubic inch of this Calcite crystal formation takes over a century to shape. When stalactites, formations from the ceiling that move downward, meet stalagmites, the ones that come upward, mm-hmm. uh, they form columns or pillars, which you can also see throughout Penn's Cave, which is really beautiful. And they actually gave names to those formations. One is called the Pope, Buddha, the Statue of Liberty, and that doubles for the Leaning Tower of Pisa on the return boat ride. I remember Pisa. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> they just... Yeah, yeah, it just looks different from the other direction. But I remember that one. Yeah. So that is the background on Penn's Cave. Now, why are we talking about it? Because... Because it's spoopy. Yes. Because of Nittany. However, have you heard Nittany before? Yeah, exactly. So I assume it's a Native American tribe name? Well, sort of. So Ah. Nittany was the chief's beautiful daughter, and she's been immortalized in Central PA. She's the mascot of Penn State University, the Nittany Lions. Okay. Uh, Lots of natural monuments, too, are like Nittany Mountain... Nittany Valley, <laughs> like all Nittany because of this story that exists about it. So the next thing I want to do is I actually want to read you the legend of Penn's Cave. And I'm going to go like word for word here because it's quite beautiful. And now you'll know why it's haunted because the back page, as you can see of my research, this is all the haunting, cool, spoopy stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So this is called The Legend of Penn's Cave. It's from the Mount Nittany Conservancy. They are reprinting it 100 word, like word for word from what they had found. So it says, this is the very first Pennsylvania legend published by folklorist Henry W. Shoemaker in 1902. It is the official legend featured at Penn's Cave where it is painted on a large sign at the entrance. So fun fact, that painting has been there and I saw a picture of it. I have no memory of that. I have (laughs) no memory of the painting either. (laughs) I feel terrible. It's a beautiful story. But anyway, it is, this is the official legend. As related by Isaac Steele, an aged Seneca Indian in 1892, in the days when the West Branch Valley was a trackless wilderness of defiant pines and submissive hemlocks, 25 years before the first pioneer had attempted lodgment beyond Sunbury, a young Pennsylvania Frenchman from Lancaster County named Malachi Boyer, alone and unaided, pierced the jungle to a point where Belfont is now located. 
The history of his travels has never been written, partly because he had no white companion to observe them, and partly because he himself was unable to write. His very identity would now be forgotten were it not for the traditions of the Indians, with whose lives he became strangely entangled. A short, stockily-built fellow was Malachi Boyer, with unusually prominent black eyes and black hair that hung in ribbon-like strands over his broad, low forehead. Fearless yet conciliatory, he escaped a thousand times from Indian cunning and treachery, and as the months went by and he penetrated further into the forest, he numbered many redskins among his cherished friends. Why he explored these boundless wilds he could not explain, for it was not in the interest of science, as he scarcely knew of such a thing as geography, and it was not for trading, as he lived by the way. But on he forced his path, ever aloof from his own race, on the alert for the strange scenes that encompassed him day by day. One beautiful month of April, there is no one who can tell the exact year, found Malachi Boyer camped on the shores of Spring Creek. Near the Mammoth Spring was an Indian camp whose occupants maintained a quasi-intercourse with the pale-faced stranger. Sometimes old chief Okocho would bring gifts of corn to Malachi, who in turn presented the chieftain with a hunting knife of truest steel. And in this way, Malachi came to spend more and more of his time about the Indian camps, only keeping his distance at night and during religious ceremonies. Old Okocho's chief pride was centered in his seven stalwart son, Humkin, Hokolin, Tuchin, Austin, Chakibin, Ahikin, Kolopakin, and his Diana-like daughter, Nitani. The seven brothers resolved themselves into a guard of honor for their sister, who had many suitors, among whom was the young chief Ephah from the adjoining sub-tribe of the Akakotas. But Nitani gently, though firmly, repulsed her numerous suitors until such times as her father would give her in marriage to one worthy of her regal blood. Thus ran the course of Indian life when Malachi Boyer made his bed of hemlock boughs by the gurgling waters of Spring Creek. And it was the fur sight of her washing a deerskin in the stream that led him to prolong his stay and ingratiate himself with her father's tribe. Few were the words that passed between Malachi and Nitani, many the glances and often did the handsome pair meet in the mossy ravines near the campgrounds. But this was all clandestine love, for friendly as Indian and white might be in social intercourse, never could a marriage be tolerated until... There always is a turning point in romance. The black-haired wanderer and the beautiful Nitani resolved to spend their lives together, and one moonless night started for the more habitable east. All night long they threaded their silent way, climbing down mountain ridges, gliding through the velvet-soiled hemlock glades, and wading, hand in hand, the splashing resolute torrents. When morning came, they breakfasted on dried meat and huckleberries, and bathed their faces in a mineral spring. Until, there is always a turning point in romance— Seven tall, stealthy forms, like animated mountain pines, stepped from the gloom and surrounded the eloping couple. Malachi drew a hunting knife, identical with the one he had given to Chief Okocho, and seized Nitani around the waist, stabbed right and, and left at his would-be captors. The first stroke pierced Humkin's heart, and uncomplainingly, he sank down, dying. The six remaining brothers, although receiving stab wounds, caught Malachi in their combined grasp and disarmed him. Then one brother held sobbing Nitani while the others dragged fighting Malachi across the mountain. That was the last the lovers saw of one another. Below the mountain lay a broad valley, from the center of which rose a circular hillock, and it was to this mound the savage brothers led their victim. As they approached, a yawning cavern met their eyes, filled with greenish limestone water. There is a ledge at the mouth of the cave, about six feet higher than the water, above which the arched roof rises thirty feet, and it was from here they shoved Malachi Boyer into the tide below. 
So they toss him. Mm-hmm. Toss him. He sank for a moment, but when he rose to the surface, commenced to swim. He approached the ledge, but the brothers beat him back, so he turned and made for some dry land in the rear of the cavern. Two of the brothers ran from the entrance over the ridge to watch, where there is another small opening. But though Malachi tried his best, in the impenetrable darkness, he could not find this or any other avenue of escape. He swam back to the cave's mouth, but the merciless Indians were still on guard. He climbed up again and again, but was repulsed, and once more retired to the dry cave. Every day for a week he renewed his efforts to escape, but the brothers were never absent. His hunger became unbearable, his strength gave way, but he vowed he would not let the redskins see him die. So forcing himself into one of the furthermost labyrinths, Malachi Boyer breathed his last. Two days afterward, the brothers entered the cave and discovered the body. They touched not the coins in his pockets, but weighted him with stones and dropped him into the deepest part of the greenish limestone water. And after all these years, those who have heard this legend declared that on the still summer nights, an unaccountable echo rings through the cave, which sounds like Nita Ni, Nita Ni. Hmm. So that is the original story that is written on a beautiful painting at the entrance that I've never seen. Wow. But it, that is like one of the most original lore, original legends that we have in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool during my research. Um, but the fact Unfortunate that, he, that the word redskins is printed in that beautiful painting. <laughs> yeah, well, but this is one like as a teacher, I don't mind because it's part of our history, you know? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, it was part of the vernacular at the time it was written. And, but... you know, this is a story that was told by a Native American, you know? So it was copied down by Henry W. Shoemaker, but he got it from the Native Americans. But with that being said, you know, it's not appropriate. But yeah. We had the Redskins, the football team, for a while. So. Yeah. It is what it is. Yep. But anyway, for a whole week, he swam back and forth. Yeah. And we've been on that Which tour. is surprising. I wonder how he, like, I guess he drank the water. Yeah, it's gross water. To stay, yeah, because, like, you know, usually you can't last more than three days. Well, he's in the water. Well, so yeah, he has that water. Chug it down, man. Chug it down. But the idea that, like, you know, you're floating in that boat... I don't think they ever mentioned they pulled a body out of there, so yeah, he could be down yeah, right. there. There could be bones at the bottom of that water somewhere. Ugh, no, thank you. From what I understand, too, like it's a real story. That's why we have the Nittany Mountain, Nittany Lions, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. But fun fact: when we talk about the ghost stuff, tour guides have admitted that they've heard her name being called, and like they're kind of like, nope, gotta leave. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Don't like that. But yeah, they said they actually heard Nittany coming out of a male voice. And on separate occasions, they heard it. So they believe each other because they both heard it. Yeah. Um, so they really believe that the cave is haunted by the ghost of Malachi. Ghost hunters have also gone there and they have heard plenty of like abnormal sounds, including female sounds, like voices. Like the show ghost hunters? No, or... just ghost hunters oh, in okay. general. Yeah. But they heard female voices too. And they also heard Native American language happening down there so yeah they also heard heavy breathing (sighs) it's kind of scary they also heard distant conversations where there is no one like up above the ground Mm -hmm. so they're like okay that's happening somewhere in here you know but they also saw like strange visions and apparitions and like shadow figures down there too Mm. yeah so that's just in general so that's the people who work there yeah and ghost hunters that we know so that being said okay I would like to move on to the CLPS. So we're talking, this is a pretty cool group, the City Lights Paranormal Society. Okay. They try to debunk things. 
Okay. Yeah, as a good ghost hunter would yes. do. Yes. So this is all, they have their own Weebly. That's how legit they are. They got oh, Weebly. Yeah. Got Weebly going on. <laughs> they um, were sent claims, and so they always do the claims, the investigation, and then like their discussion slash their find. Mm-hmm. So their claim it says. Many tourists who have visited the cave have returned with ghostly images that they have captured on camera. Many of these photos consist of distorted figures and contorted mists. These men and women are people who know nothing of Penn's cave, supposed haunting. Aside from tourists, the staff all believe something else lurks in the tunnel besides rocks and water. Mike in particular is one tour guide who claims to have had his share of experiences when working on the grounds. He claims he has heard voices from within the cave on numerous occasions while he was alone. One night after everyone had left for the evening, Mike was trying to lock up the cave when he heard a voice call out to him over a speaker. The speaker was located at the entrance of the cave and is used by the tour guides to communicate with other staff members in the main building. Mike was shocked to hear because he knew he was alone. This didn't stop him from responding, but with no surprise, there came no response. On another occasion, Mike claimed he heard a male call out the name of Nitani. Mike's detailed experiences are similar among most people who spend time in Penn's cave. Hmm. And we've wow. we've been down there, so we've seen like the the, the intercommon stuff they're talking about. Yeah. So those are just some of the claims. Again, people have seen shadow figures, and like just shadows kind of flitting across the walls. They've heard voices, so they decided to go in and investigate because they're allowed to by Penn's mm-hmm. cave. So they went in, and so I just want to kind of skip through and just mention the things that they did actually pick up. First off, they did say that they were they took almost 200 photos, and they used digital cameras, but the cameras did become distorted with moisture in the air, which makes it hard to see anything. So they think maybe the blobs that are being hmm. popped up might just be, you know, moisture. Okay. But the investigation, they said, did prove effective because... Uh, on most quiet investigations, it says they like to attempt to provoke the spirits as a last resort situation. You've seen that in paranormal shows before. Since they knew the time was against them, they did that. But they said throughout the night, the entire group was able to hear what sounded like a group of people talking on the opposite end of the cave, almost like another tour was about to start. However, we were the only ones on the grounds that night. Therefore, this was an awesome experience, to say the least. On several other occasions, a few members from the group heard what sounded like a female's disembodied voice, particularly Joe and Olivia, when they started making a few harsh comments toward Nittany and Malachi. Oscar, at one point, even thought he saw a shadow dart behind one of the many rock formations. One of the coolest experiences was had by Joe. While near the entrance of the cave, he heard what sounded like someone knocking on wood. At first, he assumed it was the tour boats rocking against each other. Upon investigating, it was clear to see that the boats were anchored down and tied so they couldn't rock into each other. The fact of the matter was that the knocking was occurring as Joe was asking some direct questions about Penn's cave and the legendary love story. So that was kind of cool. Hmm. So in terms of their um, actual like proof, they had a lot of EVPs, but when you click on them, they're, you, know, you can't click on They just said that this is what we found with EVPs. So I wish that you could click on it and hear oh. it because now I, like, I was like, hmm. The link is yeah. dead. There is no link. Oh, there's no link at so all. So they tell you, and it looks like it should be a link, but there's no link. I hate when they do that. So like, like, now is this real? Like, oh, oh we got some great footage. All right, where is it? Exactly. <laughs> no, like, exactly. the Enfield Poltergeist, they made a documentary where all of the audio is the actual recordings. Yeah. And it's like four episodes long or something. Alas. So they said they got um, the sound of breathing. They got two different female voices. They got a disembodied voice, and they also picked up Native American language. If only I could hear it. Yeah, right. Just saying. But anyway, they're debriefing this. So they're at the end of it, they Maybe said, we should reach out to them. Well, get on it. Okay. I I'm, will. You have time because you have a broken leg. 
<laughs> so you get to do all the email. Everybody, email PJ, please, at gamesoboard at gmail.com. He is lonely. I am. <laughs> and he needs something to do. So after reviewing about 10 hours worth of footage, we were satisfi- satisfied with our findings. The investigation went by quickly but left us with plenty. We were proud to be able to capture the group voices we heard on two occasions. More than that, Joe and Olivia's disembodied voice was captured as well. We were unable to make out what it was saying, as it appeared to be speaking in a non-native language. Oscar claimed to see a shadow during the investigation, but unfortunately, he was unable to pick it up on his camera. These few documented experiences, along with a few other EVP clips, corroborated everyone's claims, so they really do believe that Penn's cave is haunted. Hmm. So there you go. What say you to that? It's really cool. We were I, never told that. Yeah. <laughs> we went for a nice scenic ride and didn't know we were... On a gorgeous summer day. And beautiful. then... Uh, <laughs> nothing. None of that no. stuff. We just enjoyed the stalactites and the stalagmites. And the chubby bear. And the chubby bear. Oh, it was the best. <laughs> I love that bear. So, I mean, I believe it, though. Like, I didn't, I didn't get any vibes like that from the place, but... I mean, A, it was broad daylight. B, I wasn't looking for it. And I was just shivering and cold the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I brought a sweatshirt, but I was still cold. And I had to hold on to Eli at the time because she was little and kept rocking the boat. Like, we don't rock the boat, buddy. So now I want to go into a really short uh, story. Okay, before we do that, listener Carrie, friend of the podcast, I started listening to the Conjuring video that you told me to watch on YouTube. It's from Sam and Colby, two YouTubers oh, yes, who go yes. to like haunted places. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, but at the very least, it's highly captivating footage. Is it better than Zach Baggins? Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> much better than Zach Baggins. Like, I still don't know if I believe it because of how compelling it is, but it is extremely compelling. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so now let's... Uh, loosely connected since we talked about boats i wanted to i this is just a really cool itty bitty story okay it's like two seconds and so i'm taking two different stories from supernatural pennsylvania from by Lori hull but this one i just found intriguing it's called ghost ship okay Uh oh yeah now this that movie was terrible (sighs) (laughs) anyway Lori hull writes Kathy's first experience with the paranormal happened when she was about seven years old. She had chicken pox, and so did a couple of the children of friends of her family. The infected children were staying together at her house. As they were getting ready for bed one night, they saw a bright light shining through her bedroom window. She had a hard time describing the brightness. She just described it as very, very bright. They wanted to see what it was, so she and her friend jumped up and ran to the window. They looked out, and incredibly, across the road in a meadow, there was a large sailing ship that looked like it was sinking. It was surrounded by a brilliant halo of light, and it was glowing. She vividly remembered looking at her friend's spotty face as she looked back at her, and they ran over to Kathy's parents' room. Her parents were seeing it, too. They were standing at her window, looking at the big ship in the meadows. Not long after that, it faded and disappeared. Her parents looked like they were in shock, and Kathy's mother walked them back to the bedroom to put them to bed. <laughs> like, la, 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 la. You didn't see anything, kids. <laughs> Everything's fine. Shoo-shoo. Can you imagine she's looking out your window and then, boom, bright light, cool sailing ship that it looks like it's sinking into the ground. But it's just a do 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 I've seen this before. Pirates it's, of the Caribbean. It's just a possum. 
Yes. Let's <laughs> go to sleep. <laughs> but like, can you imagine like you're there and everybody, including your parents, is, you know, it's not like the fever from chicken pox. Like your parents saw it too. Yeah. Our younger listeners, back in the day, you did all get together and have chicken pox parties and then you all stayed together. I still don't understand. Well, I mean, I do understand, but. <sighs> did you have chicken pox? I did. I don't remember ever having it, but I I had it. I was like five. Oh, yeah. Oh, my mom forced me to hang out with my friend who had chicken pox. I was supposed to stop him from scratching <laughs> because the plan was that I was going to get it. And so yeah. then at the end of the day, just to make sure I would catch it, she made me kiss his cheek before oh, he left. No. And then I had it and Jamie had it and um, Jack had it. Yeah. They all, we all got and it. And now we're one step closer to shingles because I know. of it. Thank you. So, yeah, back in our day, guys. And then we get shingles. Underwear. Enjoy your chicken pox vaccine. You'll understand. <laughs> it was the worst. So, anyway. So, the um, explanation is that... So, all we have down here from Lori Hall. She did some research. She says, The paranormal explanation that I found was that of the legendary Shippo the Dead. This legend holds that when an old and retired sailor dies, a ghostly ship comes to take his spirit away. This is especially true if the sailor had been a pirate. The ship will appear wherever he is, even over land, in which case it will sail through the air. I've heard of that mythology before. Well, we've seen it on TV. Yeah. I wonder if... Garfield. Um, yes, Garfield. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> That's totally the same boat. <laughs> Pro proof that it's real, not debunked. Moving on. All right. Good talk. Good talk. All right. So looking at the time that we have, I want to thrill you with one more story. Yes. Mothman. I do have stuff on the Wendigo and a, an actual psychosis that comes from the Wendigo. Because it's, it's Native American. Yeah, the Wendigo. The reason I believe in the Wendigo is because the Native Americans have so much lore about it. Oh, yeah. And it's so incredibly sim similar to the Skinwalker, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember how? We talked about it a little yeah. bit. A couple times. Yeah. Because uh, the Skinwalker, they smell absolutely horrible. Yeah. yeah. And it's a curse that's put on them because of what they've done mm -hmm. in life. Same thing for the Wendigo. Yes. We talked about that, too. Yep. So that's in this book, too. Supernatural Pennsylvania. Cool. I want to yeah, hear... the Algonquins have their own story and stuff. I want to hear the Pennsylvanian Wendigo. And they, they, we spell it Wendigo. Not W-E. It's W-I. Wendigo. Yeah. It's interesting. Because I, I know, like, farther out west, they even pronounce it, like, Wendigo. Wendigo. Yeah. Interesting. Well, now I learned something. So we won't or have at least some people do. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if it's strictly out west or not. Maybe it's just I'm just accents. I'm just making assumptions there. <laughs> so um, my last story is coming from Haunted Hills and Hollows, what lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania, by our super best friend Kevin Paul and Rosemary Ellen Guiley. So I'm obviously going to talk about Mothman. Well, our version of Mothman. What do you know about Mothman, Honey Bunny? Oh, um, that he... He's about six-ish feet tall, has large wings, extremely fast. He likes to chase cars. And like a dog. he shows up before, like, he showed up before the, um, oh, what was it called? The Silver silver Something Bridge Collapse. Uh, silver, oh, what was it called? It's okay. It, You're hitting, like, all the major stuff. You're yeah, just keep it, going. it You're was great. a bridge collapse. And at the same time that Mothman was around, there was this other guy who said he could predict the future, and his name was Injured Cold. And some people said that he, like, he and Mothman were the same person. So there's a lot of confusion about, like, who this injured was. Maybe he reads about Daedalus and he learned how to make his own wings. Yeah. 
That'd be great. See, Greek mythology reference. And he flew too close to the sun. And we no, left. that was Icarus. Daedalus survived. <laughs> Injury did not survive. Mothman like... did. <laughs> That's why we don't. Wait, we haven't seen him in a while. Do, you know? do, 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 do. I would like to do a deep dive in the Mothman. Well, good because I'm discussing one that is sort of like Mothman, but it's our own Mothman. Okay. So I am going to take some stuff here word from word from the book just because he introduces Mothman first and then goes into ours. Mm -hmm. So they say here, the most famous is the winged humanoid Mothman of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. On November 12, 1966, five men who were digging a grave at a cemetery near Clendenin, West Virginia, claimed to see a man-like figure fly low from the trees over their heads. This was the first known sighting of what became known as the Mothman, a winged humanoid with red eyes who made numerous appearances over the next 13 months, which is why your injured has bright red creepy eyes. Mm -hmm. Yep. I want to like put googly eyes on him so he looks happy, but he's just creepy. I did that for one of our pictures. I know you did. <laughs> ridiculous. Anyway, so shortly thereafter, on November 15th, 1966, two young couples from Point Pleasant, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette, told police that they saw a large creature whose eyes, quote, glowed red when the car headlights picked it up. They described it as, quote, a large flying man with 10-foot wings, and it followed their car while they were driving in an area outside of town known as the TNT area because mm -hmm. it was close to a munitions plant. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? She she was in a documentary. I, I listened to her story. Uh, we got Roger and Linda and Linda. Steve and Mary. Yeah. I think, I, I think it was Linda was in one of the documentaries I saw. It's like, I'm just trying to drive. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Ah! <laughs> la, la, la. But then during the next few days, other people also saw it. So it was a combo here where lots of people were seeing it. And then you wonder, like, were they actually seeing it or were they all just kind of getting at the hype? It's the Albert Witch. It's the Squonk. It's the Wendigo. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. But anyway, so fun fact, too, since uh, Point Pleasant is not too far off from Greene County because that's the corner of Pennsylvania yeah. near West Virginia. After they saw Mothman during that time period, there was also an onset of UFO activity. There was mm. a landed craft in the area. There were encounter encounters with aliens, poltergeists, and there was other phenomena like men in black. So, like, I don't know. Maybe Mothman was just a part of, like, this crazy a group convention for all mm. the crazy things out there that we don't really see. Maybe it's like a liminal and limited space. And they're all yeah. just hanging out. For those who want to hear more about Men in Black, listen to our B.E.K. episode. Yes, B.E.K. and It's one of my favorite episodes. It came out of this book? I know. <laughs> um, but then on December 15th, 1967, the Silver Bridge spanning the Ohio River at Point Pleasant collapsed. Sending oh, it's 40... just called Silver Bridge. Mm -hmm. oh. Sending 46 people to their deaths. The Mothman wave of unusual activity came to an end. Due to a report that Mothman was seen near the bridge prior to its collapse, some believe that the creature had something to do with the tragedy. Or he's interested in tragedy. He's a harbinger of tragedy. Yeah, either a harbinger or like he was there to watch it or there to warn us about it. Like a moth to the flame, the Mothman is drawn to tragedies. Why isn't he here at our house right now with your broken foot? Was he at Ollie's that night? You should have looked for red <laughs> Did eyes. I see red eyes? <laughs> No, it was too dark. We didn't have our, <laughs> we didn't have our, our high beams on. All right. I was too busy going, ah! <laughs> oh, boy. So and that was like it for a very long time. No one saw Mothman. But then in 2017, there was a wave of winged humanoid sightings in the Chicago area, as the book says. I think it was just a hype. But anyway. I did not hear anything about that. I think they're just making it up. 
Well, I'll have to look back and look. Let's go see some pictures. Yeah. So why am I discussing Mothman? Because we have our own. Yes, it's the Green County Winged Humanoid. You want to see a picture? Our listener can't oh, see a picture. We have a picture? It's a hand drawing done by John Weaver. I'll take a picture of it. I'll post it I'll post it the website. Look at that. Interesting. Yeah, it's like an alien. It's like the the grays. He has aliens. arms though. Mothman doesn't have arms. Wow. So yeah. I know. It's an alien Mothman. <laughs> Indrid and Mothman or Mothwoman had a baby. Mm. That's what I think. All right, so there is only one report of a winged humanoid see- that has been seen in Greene County. July 2009. I'm applying for full-time jobs to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lone witness was driving home at dusk along a narrow road in Wayne Township at a slow speed due to the pelting rain of a severe thunderstorm, which we know is not uncommon for late July. Nope, not at all. He caught a glimpse of what he thought was a large blue heron alongside the road and slowed to a crawl to avoid hitting it. But as he got closer, his headlights illuminated it, and he realized it was a gray humanoid figure now standing on top of a fence post. Because that's not weird. (laughs) It was easily six to seven feet tall and slender. Its skin appeared smooth and tight. It was winged with arms at its sides. Mm. Yeah, right? Sounds like the Jeepers Creepers monster. (laughs) I'm actually thinking of the... um, that the gray guy that's created during um what's that what's the uh talking about the power rangers movie no the vampire (laughs) movie of the lichens oh god okay moving on yeah (laughs) underworld that's yeah there we go yeah so anyway so he starts like drifting his car forward because he's just like staring like i mean you're kind of like talking about what the heck is that kind of like frozen moment um so illuminated by frequent lightning the creature was now directly beside the driver's door no more than 15 feet away <laughs> but interestingly, it ignored the vehicle. It was looking north and it remained motionless. It, okay. It just was by his car and but it was staring north and just looking north. Hmm. Ugh. Its head was tapered or slightly pointed at the top as if it were some type of helmet, like it was wearing it or if it was a helmet. Hmm. Its wings were folded behind it, but the tips, of course, pointed downward towards the ground like a bat. The eyes were very large, teardrop shaped, and black not red. No ears, mouth, or nose were observed. Frozen with fear for what seemed like an eternity, the witness regained his composure and drove away as quickly as he could. So, I hold, I don't think it's aliens, but it's aliens. It does sound like an alien gray, right? but, but really tall, because alien grays are only they're like, small. They're yeah. like three feet tall. Um, and with wings. It's so weird. Moth woman. <laughs> plus, plus gray. <laughs> equals the baby so now it doesn't want to chase cars it wants to stare north just keep staring i don't i don't get it staring at polaris he didn't know it was looking up but (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's like i'm supposed to chase these but i'm not interested he's like going through his teen phase i don't care Mom, mom used to chase these all the time. I don't understand. This is stupid. This is a really nice fence post. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here. I'm getting my bath. I'm just gonna. La, la, la. Oh, so what do you think about our humanoid? It's weird. It's really weird. Uh, fun fact: I don't believe that it exists. I don't believe either. I don't believe this one. I was. I just wanted to toss it in because I thought you'd be happy. I am. I don't I am believe happy. it. I'm I don't always in... up for a cool cryptid story. I don't believe in real Mothman either. I I actually am not sure if I believe in Mothman. Well, like, there were a lot of sightings, and I am... Just like the Conjuring 
documentary that I've been watching, quote unquote documentary I've been watching, <laughs> like I'm it's compelling. Yeah. You know, regardless of whether I believe it, it's very compelling and I'm super intrigued by that stuff. Same thing here. I like to watch it, but yeah. it's to me it's fiction. Same with all cryptids, really. But I would say I, I think I believe in the Wendigo after the stuff I've read. There's there's even a psychological thing about it too. So Uh-oh. it connects to cannibalism. So I think that's interesting. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's an actual like psychosis mm-hmm. called the Wendigo psychosis. Yeah. So, but based like if there are Native American stories, I'm more apt to believe it. You yeah. know, like I just think it's because why would we have the exact same stories yeah. as them? You know, there's a there's a really, it's not disturbing, but it's an unnerving movie called Ravenous. And it deals with Wendigos and things like that. My favorite thing is there's this chase scene where, you know, it takes place in, like, Civil War era, like, muskets oh, and things like that. And these guys are running through the woods from the monster. And this banjo music is playing. <laughs> and it just sounds so happy. You can't. I know. A banjo cannot be angry. So, so tonally different from what's on the screen. It's fantastic. <laughs> I have to see just that scene. <laughs> Like, I just, there's no way a banjo can ever sound angry. You just, no, you can't no. have it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Doing banjo. Though Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide was able to make it sound sad. Well, yeah, if you go slow enough yeah. on it, I guess. But I don't know. They're just happy little, <laughs> little things there. So anyway, we'll hit up the Wendigo at some point. Mm-hmm. All right. But in any case, uh, again, shout out to Penny for feeding us and giving PJ a new stuffed animal. The chicken was awesome. The mac and cheese was mm, so good. Yeah. I like baked homemade mac really and cheese. Good. Yeah. And thanks to Nurse Jackie. You called it. Yes, thank is, you. Is broke. I'm glad that we called her, though. And You're going to get more information about your foot tomorrow when you go ortho. Get my get my cast. Well, as long as you don't have surgery, I'm happy. They might throw you for a I don't think that's happening. I hope not. Anywho. Uh, also, future thanks to Full Send Rejects for being on, uh, Anthony being on, telling us <laughs> your creepy story. Looking yes. forward to that. Uh, thank you for waiting for this podcast episode. You know, we didn't slow down with COVID <laughs> and we, <laughs> we we pushed through. But when your husband literally can't get down in the basement <laughs> and you're at the ER until late on a Sunday. Yeah. And then I was just tired. <laughs> I'm just tired. She's been doing so much for us. It's okay. I don't mind. But I'm using my minutes wisely. I even got wrapping done today over my lunch. Like, I, I just want to say, I'm making dreams come true right now. Um, so thank you, listeners, for um, waiting for us. Do apologize mm-hmm. that it's Wednesday, that this is going to be going up. We um, appreciate you. Yeah. Again, only one more for this year, the 17th. And then we're done. And we'll see you on January 7th. If you need us for anything, if you need questions about ghosts and other figures, please feel free to message us. I do get messages asking people asking me like you know what should I do next? People yeah. coming to me and yeah, talking to me. Yeah, if you need advice, let us know. And if we'll we don't know, you. if we don't know, we'll let you know. We have contacts. Oh, and a fun fact, side note: Jackie told me that she listens to a podcast and Father Zeta was on the, that podcast. Really? Yep. Oh, She's like, "Isn't Zeta. that you?" I'm like, "That's my boy. That's my boy." Oh, I got excited. The guy so. who sounds like a hippie when he talks. That's, yeah. how, that's how you know if it's Father Zeta. And it looked... Well, uh, you know, I saw a guy climbing up the walls like he's Spider-Man. Yeah. He looks like Dumbledore. <laughs> he looks like Dumbledore, but he talks like a hippie. I love it. I know. He's the best. <laughs> All right. So anyway, thank you, everyone. Have a better week. <laughs> better than me. Have a week better than mine, everyone. Be safe, especially over the holiday season. Watch out for mud and grass. <laughs> It'll get you. This very. This is like Eli when he broke his arm. Soft, squishy grass. What can you do? Yep. 
Um, but on a serious note, take care of yourselves. Take care of your family. If you celebrate Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah, mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, all that jazz. We celebrate it all here at our house. I made the best latkes. Literally, we have latkes and a menorah and dreidel out. Oh, we yeah. also have a Christmas tree. And, and we the have advent all. calendar, all of it, yes. Uh, we, uh, we celebrate everything. Yep. Um, so have a lovely, safe season. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys in the new year. And as always, think spooky thoughts.